Kevin, they really have just become fleshy tents on you now. The crows have returned and seem to be living in them. It's like some sort of flesh crow shanty town. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Podquisition, which we're filming right now at uh, Wednesday uh, around about noon, which is good for me because Apple's having another conference, and this means I don't have to be bored as pissed by everyone flooding Twitter with whatever the shit they're going to be showing. Uh, oh, no. Apple announced a new iPhone. What does this mean for the competition in the smartphone market? Will Apple continue to dominate who knows market disruption hello laura how are you today i'm all right i'm pretty high energy despite the fact that i've just come back from a very lengthy convention where i got very ill and had a lot to drink but i'm fine i'm having orange juice everything is okay that's good orange juice makes everything better I will point out, you said the word filming, which implies video. There is no video. Don't get Did excited I for a second and think that we're oh. doing video or oh, something. Oh, no, I, f- I film every single one. <laughs> yeah, I've got a camera rolling on me fuckers. right now. Um, I, I film I film every podquisition in the nude and uh, record those and keep them in a very special vault, uh, which... <laughs> There are clues to where the location of the vault in every single episode of the podquisition. And if you listen back and piece together the code, you will find the vault somewhere. It's, it's, un- it's, it's under Jim's bed. And Shut you unlock, up! You, you then unlock a secret episode of Jimquisition where he's in the nude, where you actually yeah. get to see it. Well, not anymore. I'm going to burn the archives now Laura's given the game away. Okay, the jig well, is up. Here's the thing. I have also been recording all of them, and that's great, because I do record most of these in the nude. So, you know, if you if you can find them, there you go. That's a thing to watch. This has been an interesting start to the week. Hello, Gavin. Hello, Gavin. Hello. You all right? Do you record yourself nude? No, sadly, I'm wearing pants. Oh, oh. you... You, you spoil the sport. That's the... Uh, I don't know. Is it the which? Which is the the definition that means like just your underpants? Is that the British or is that the American definition? Of what? Of pants, because for me, pants means I'm oh. wearing like actual trousers, okay. like jeans. Oh, um, right. In in British English, hmm. pants means underwear. Yeah. In American English, it means trousers. trousers. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm using the American meaning then. I'm right. wearing trousers. How, how have you been won over? There, there's two <laughs> people who are not American on this show. We should be dominating the the use of language. There, we should be talking about there are three trousers and who are not bins. American on this show. I think Laura's counting <laughs> me as American now. I at this point, you're you're living over there you're a defector i consider mm. you american you talk about yogurt rather than yogurt i consider <laughs> oh, you linguistically an no, american on, i think only i think only british people say um actually it's <laughs> a funny way you could always spot the protestants when i was growing up because they said yogurt and scone instead of yogurt and scone <laughs> it's 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 yogurt and scone i gotta no. admit though i don't like, like, because I give American shit for things like Minotaur, when it should be Minotaur, because that's yes. how it's fucking spelled. It's Minotaur and pedophile. That's how they're spelled. Alan Get it right. Pedophile. So, I yeah. feel almost hypocritical to um, protect things like scone, because really, scone makes sense. Scone makes sense. <laughs> Derby scone, makes sense over kind of Derby. Derby. Scone, scone and scone I'm not too bothered by, but there are a lot of those that... There's a lot of Americanisms you say now, Jim, and linguistically you are one of them. I have no idea what y'alls is talking about. <laughs> yeah, y'alls. I have no idea. I do say that a lot. I do say y'alls a lot. Um, it just became mm-hmm. part of my vernacular. Y'all so is an easy way to address people on Twitter. It's 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 got this friendly tone to it that I like. 
It's friendly. Yeah. It's also really compact. So for a 140 mm. character limit, it works. Yarl yeah. is, is the versatile word, and it's the word of the day on the podquisition. Well, I, I think you've survived being... You're still allowed to be partially British because you used the word linguistic, which I think is a posh enough word that you are. You, you pronounced it with the Queen's English. We can maybe let you back in. I gotta keep. I gotta retain some of it um, mm. because it's it's the only edge I have out here. Um, you, you have linguistic dual citizenship. Yeah, um, my accent is really that's my ace in the hole. Um, when it comes to impressing uh, all of the boys and the girls out in uh, Mississippi. Um, because it, it ain't like I've got anything else. Well, I've got that, and I can uh, boot up my Patreon on my phone and just show <laughs> them the number. They're the two things I have. Uh, uh, a very I'm... visible income, uh, which is a good income, and my accent. That's, that's I... how I play. I'm getting very excited about about the fact that probably by the next time I go see my parents, I'll be able to show them my phone and be like, $2,000 a month, see? This is a viable career. Woo! Yeah, it's a real yeah, job, uh... Mum. Yeah, exactly. I'm making a living. Shut up. I'm playing video <laughs> games. Don't look at the artwork of me. Never Google artwork of me, Mum. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. The fan art and the fan fiction probably best leave that to the side. Exactly. Like, don't search the word fan and my name, Mum. Just, it's just, just. There's nothing there. You don't need to look. I'm getting some amazing fan art. I need to um, just look up the the blog that did this because they. Yeah, you got a fantastic out. one this week. Uh, it's um, T-Spade05 T-Spade05 at Tumblr um, I think their blog is just called It's Fucking Art uh, And they drew a picture of me Kind of hunched over uh, With the buildings of EA and Konami And Ubisoft And I don't know what the other one is But they're all like in my hands While I'm looking down at them giant And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most incredible Fucking things I've ever seen um, I, I, I think perhaps my favourite one I saw this week in the Jimquisition Facebook group was someone has made the three of us as characters in The Sims 3 as a family, and all three of us are pretty spot on. I was like, that, that is impressive character creation you have done. I didn't see that. I need, I need to see this. I'll find you a link at some point, then. I'll send you one over. Yeah, I think I, I missed find that. find it again. But yeah, been getting way too much cool fan art. It's awesome. And I mean, that one, especially the Tumblr one, um, I don't know... Uh, if it's possible to get in touch with the artist, but a lot of people want that as a poster, and I kind of want it as a poster, so so I would be tempted to try and get that uh, sorted out. Um, although speaking of merchandise, there is one of the most anticipated uh, requested shirts will be coming to the Jimquisition store soon. Um, it may may involve a certain company <gasps> and a certain carnal act, but that's that's <sighs> all I'll say. Are you uh, doing some teasing for a thing? I, <sighs> I did a little bit of a teasing for a thing. You are so secretive, nobody could get what that is a reference to. Oh, the Simquisition, that's really good. Um, so yeah. I'm just looking at the, 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 the Sims. Art, and they did get us down spot <laughs> they, on. I am, I am impressed at how good the three of those were. Oh, wow. That is a good trio of, wow. of characters. <laughs> that really actually looks perfectly like yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. We've had some good art this week. It's been yeah. a fun week. But yeah, we got video game news to talk about. We probably shouldn't make this an hour to an hour and a half of us just talking about how great we are, should we? I, I, I no, would love we've, that, we've done enough right. of those lately. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So where do, we, where do we want to start? Do we want to... I know me and Jim have got some... Uh, some thoughts to say about a certain character in Metal Gear Solid Five that we have now had more time with. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm, um, massive to... tits. That's her name. <laughs> yeah. Massive tits doesn't talk a lot. 
Yeah, massive tits don't talk much. Sit in the corner with a big gun. <laughs> so I'm going to try and stay as... I'm not going to talk about spoilers, but what everyone who is interested in Metal Gear Solid Five likely knows that Quiet does not wear many clothes on her tits. Now, yeah. without talking about the reason why... The reason why is now known by me and Jim, and the reason is bullshit. It's it's absolute bollocks. I mean, mm, um, the only thing I have to say, again, without talking spoilers, um, there is a reason why she needs to not wear clothing. A reason there is... we should say Hideo Kojima made up. Yes, um, he, has, he has invented a reason that she has to not wear clothing. And we're supposed to feel bad mm. about criticising the lack of clothing because of the reason what but, he made uh, up. But the problem with the reason what he made up is that it doesn't matter what skin is, is exposed, it just has to be skin. So why has she not shaved all her hair off? Yeah, shaved why, the head. Why is she wearing like elbow length and knee length boots and gloves? Why? Why cover up like the arms and legs of your skin, but leave your big old tits out? Exactly. Like, clearly, that is not a not because of the reason that's justified in the narrative. No, Kojima just wants her tits out and wasn't, you know, couldn't man up to the fact he just wanted to see some tits. Which it I think is made evidence by the fact that, like, if you're in the helicopter with her and stuff. Like, she'll mm. get up on the bench and start waving her ass at you and everything, oh, and God. it's all like... And I, I could not justify... And... Like, I was trying to explain that to my girlfriend, because she came in while I was playing it, and I was sitting in the chopper, and there's this, like, nearly naked girl sticking her butt in my face. <laughs> and I was trying to explain why she's dressed like that. I was like, well, it's because this and because that. I was like, oh, you know, I think they just wanted mm. to see some boobs and butt. I think, I think that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, and if he'd if he'd owned up to wanting if he'd owned up to wanting a wank, then I'd have had some you know some I'd have been proud of that. I'd have been like, I'd you know what? It. Yeah, that mm. respects the word. I'm it's a strange one, you know, because in, in, in all other respects, she's an extremely cool badass character. I oh, love she, her as a character. She is, and as soon as I could like switch her into a slightly cooler looking outfit that ignored the narrative reason why she couldn't wear clothes, yeah, I was like, a you're a badass. Really, I got a second her. outfit for her, and she was just naked but a different colour there are no. later on in the game you can get options to actually put her in some damn clothes and yes. every time and I did it straight away and she looked like a fucking badass basically it's, like, it's, it's it's still form fitting like feminine armour but it is practical and it looks a lot less like you just wanted to shove tits in someone's face yeah. I mean that's the thing it's like you know, there are so many ways they could have gotten her oh she needs to not wear clothes it's like but mm. with the reason given there the are, reason given is bullshit. <laughs> there are covering clothing that would have worked within that reason. Yes. Um, there are, as you said, Laura, you know, maybe take the stuff off the arms and legs and put it around the norks. There, there yeah. are so many other ways that she did not have well, to look the way like she looked. Her arms and legs do not need support. Her boobs probably need holding in place a bit more if she's going to shoot stuff. Like, apparently not. You know, that, apparently nanomachines. That, that's, oh god, that, nanomachines. Let's just say that's what did it. Nanomachines yeah. lets her shoot straight oh with, god. with her tits like wobbling over the so, gun holes. Like there's gun there's handle. another character who who also shouldn't be able to wear clothes for the same reason that Quiet can't wear clothes, and they don't have his big floppy man tits out. They're just like that's ah, fine. No one's practically see wearing a snuggie. That's it. You see, I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem with Quiet being all nudie and stuff if the 
the man got treated the same way. Yeah, if the male <laughs> character also had big floppy man tits out, I'd be all for this. But it's like, uh, you, the lack of narrative consistency, please. Yeah. And I think so that's like, I'm it because I don't say... think I don't think anyone here is really offended by nudity or sexiness. No, no, it's no, just no. when I, it feels like it. an excuse, it's a bit cheap. It, it's when it feels like it's being put in in a really disingenuous manner. It's yeah. like either own up to the fact that like. Jim got a copy of Senran Kagura this week, and like mm-hmm. at least that game is not ashamed of the fact that it it likes the idea. It's of norms. more honest. It's, yeah. it's Senran Kagura, even like things like Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball, and I've said this before. Like I respect Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball a lot more than a game that's put tits in and made up some reason other than yeah. we just wanted tits. And when it becomes painfully clear mm-hmm. by the lack of effort you've put into justifying yourself that you did just want tits. What? Your reasons were the same as Extreme Beach Volleyball. Mm. They were just upfront about it. Yeah. Whereas Semron Kagura sent me a box of tits. So I'm like, you know what? You sent me a box of tits. You clearly know what you're doing. <laughs> Even with Eva in the previous entries, like Eva used to like showing her tits, but it, it was basically, I like showing my tits because I want to be sexy. Yeah, you know, there are there are certain characters I buy that explanation from, like Bayonetta, for better or worse, I at times buy that explanation from the character. But when you're like, um, here's the reason, just don't think about it too much, guys. I swear she can't wear a bra properly. It'll it'll kill her. It is it is nonsense, and it's like I don't I don't want to say too much because I am probably going to do mm. Dreamquisition on it this this next week. So yeah. expect to expect to see some regurgitated sentences it's, from here yeah, in that. I'm but, I'm planning something that's not going to be scripted. That's going to be a few minutes of me just being like, right, you're okay with spoilers. What the fuck is this? But yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, it, it's a shame because she's such a good character and mm. one of the few characters in that game. That I like in the narrative. It's hard oh, to find guys fantastic. that I actually like in the narrative. I bloody um, love her. From yeah, a gameplay really perspective cool. as well, fantastic. Like she's a little bit OP actually. <laughs> she kind of. Since I got her, um, the game's completely changed. Like gotten a, a lot easier. It is. She is like yeah. The the. the her as a gameplay element is just like overwhelming. Well, as a gameplay Apart and from a the narrative humming. element. Oh my god, the fucking humming. She never shuts. She's for someone I don't called mind quiet. Her humming. She never shuts the fuck up. I don't mind the humming and that's probably because I walk around my home humming to myself all the time. Well, it would be okay if they had like maybe three or four different hums, but it's just the same phrase over and over and over. I, it starts driving you crazy after a while. I give it about five minutes and then I'm like, fuck it, I'm putting the final countdown back on again. Yeah. I, Just I, to I drown really her hope, out. I really hope somebody makes a mod that, that gets rid of that. Please yeah. make a mod that gets rid of Quiet's humming. <laughs> or at least have a, like, hum the Super Mario Brothers theme tune or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Sledgehammer. If she was humming Sledgehammer, we could... Uh... Oh, hell Yeah. Get some fucking sledgehammer. (laughs) That all being said, I've put a lot more time into Metal Gear Solid Five now, and what a fucking game! That's that's a really polished, bloody video game. It's amazing. Um, It's definitely more action focused than previous uh, Metal Gear Solids in that, like, it's definitely built around you can alert guards to your presence and still fight your way through them Mm. more than you could in previous games. But I'm enjoying that. But it, it still feels... rewards a very yeah. stealthy approach yeah. then I mean, as well. I mean, it's a game that basically says mm. just just experiment. Like, the other games yeah. are always, like, experimental. But this is the first game where it's like, we've had our experiments, now you fucking do it. Like, like yeah. have I... all these toys, play around, 
see mm. what you can do. And some I, of the stuff you can do is just like the subtle stuff. Like this, yeah. there are things you can do with the horse that that no other studio would think to even animate. Would think to to um, reward your doing it. And I don't want to mm. say too much, but my favorite thing with that horse still is just the mechanic that if you summon the horse and start running in the direction of the beaker you're going to, the horse will just keep running next to you until you know you're ready to jump on. Mm. And, like, little things about this game are like, that's really polished in its execution. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, like, my big takeaway is it feels like where previous Metal Gear Solid games have been stealth games that you can play in an action way, this is an action game that you can play stealthily. Yeah. I think. I would describe it as a perfect mix between what Far Cry set out to do and then kind of with Splinter Cell ish. But then with, like, with the amount of options that almost an RPG gives you. There is an RPG yes. element to the game. Also, the dog is adorable. I love having a dog. Oh, yeah, D-dog. the dog's great. D-dog. Oh, D-Dog. Um, D-D. I think it's an amazing game. I, I I, mean, I just can't believe how fucking spoiled we got this year. Like, it's already been, like, probably my favourite every year for, for video games, and Fallout 4 pr- hasn't even come out yet. It's a pretty strong bloody year for AAA video game releases. We've had, <laughs> yeah. some, we've had some mighty polished video games. Hmm. Between Bloodborne and Witcher and this, it's just, I mean... Ooh, ooh, we have Witcher news this week, very quickly. Oh, yeah, Uh, The the, the expansion's coming October 13th. Um, It's designed for you to be level 30 or higher. Nice. Yeah, hooray. It's like, what, six weeks off? Mm. Look forward to that. Something like that. And it comes out a month before um, Fallout, thankfully. (laughs) I will say, it's it's been a great year for video games, but as someone who has to um, play almost all of them... um, the amount of remasters and remakes still carrying on from last year is driving me up the fucking wall. It's gotten to the point where I'm not even writing reviews anymore. I'm copying and pasting old reviews I wrote on Destructoid and <laughs> gussying oh, them up a bit. Because plagiarism. If they're going to do that with games, I might game as well reviewing. do it with my reviews. <laughs> exactly. So I did, I did fucking Dishonored Definitive Edition yesterday. I just took my old review and just made a definitive version I'm, of I'm it. I'm not going to lie, I did that with my Saints Row 4 review. I, st- I went and just copy and pasted it from a site I wrote for like three years ago. Yeah, tweaked it up slightly. I was like, it's a bit shinier, but it's the same bloody game. I did it today with Castle Crashers Remastered, which I will yeah. say is fucking brilliant. Mainly because if you already own it, it's free, which I just yes. think is that's how you do a fucking remaster. Well, that's that's why I was so happy with Journey getting its remaster. It's like, oh, I already own Journey. Now I have a shinier version on my PS4. Great, thank you. Yeah, that's that's how it should be. Um, but yeah, I've been playing Castle Crashers like all day today. Well, you, you know, it's so much. It's still like that is a game that has not fucking aged. Well, you know what remaster you're going to be super excited for, Jim? Kingdom Hearts two point nine. Uh! Ah, 2.9, Kingdom Hearts 2.9. What a stupid name. I hate the way Square Enix names things. Um, what? Do you not do you not love Kingdom Hearts 365 over two days? Oh, do, oh Or Kingdom that... Hearts Birth by Sleep. Birth by what is that? <laughs> it's bad enough when are they were trying to do all the those. Same game or are they no, these are sequ- or... these are these are I say sequels, these are games in the same series that go on like different timelines or skip back and forth oh, okay. in history and Dream Drop Distance was one. <sighs> Dream. Yeah, Those yeah, are just Jim, three Jim, words. Jim, Jim, what you're not getting is that that is three letters that start with D. So that is three 
D's or 3DS. Uh... Yeah, but here's another D. My dick, and they can suck it. Because oh. I'm... And when they had the Final Fantasy thirteen games, when that, that all fell apart because they, mm. they announced games before they've even fucking made any of them. So that fell apart. But they were going to do all those different Final Fantasy thirteen games and call it the Fabula Novella Crystallis. I mean, those are just <laughs> noises, Square. You're just, anyway, I've got to stop so because I'm going to do a nitpick theatre video on this and I'm just fine. giving it so away. King- Kingdom Hearts 2.9, from what we can tell from a leaked LinkedIn profile, is probably going to be a PS4 remaster of like at all least, of the previous Kingdom Hearts games. At least it's like, you know, not Kingdom Hearts Unleashed or Kingdom Hearts Ultimate or Kingdom Hearts uh, Revelations because like yeah. those those I, words get used a lot I in was, games. I was kind of hoping that the naming convention of Kingdom Hearts 2.9 meant it was going to be like the, uh, what was the Ground Zeroes? Where it's mm. like, this is your prequel chapter that leads into the new sequel. Like I thought it was going to be, it's very almost Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> no way, because they've... They only started developing that last fucking week. Well, according to this LinkedIn profile, they've acted, the guy has been actively working on Kingdom Hearts 3 for about two years. Yeah, probably. Was, probably Those two years were probably spent on a debut trailer. Because that's probably. how Square Enix do. Yeah. So, Kingdom Hearts 2.9, hooray. Kingdom Hearts Woo. 0. <laughs> Age of yeah. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. You know, I will... Um, I'm into that. I liked I liked the main ones, like Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2. All of these fucking water-treading uh, mobile and portable games in the interim, like, exhausted me. I, I remember really enjoying the Game Boy Advance one, um, Chain of Memories, which was a pretty decent sequel linking between 1 and 2. But, like, outside of that, I have played through most of them it's like they're spread out across so many consoles and they jump so many places over a convoluted timeline i'm just like oh i've never seen a game that's already. not reached its third main sequel that has been exploited that much and been that saturating it's, yeah. it's incredible it it just keeps promising it's like kingdom hearts 3 it's on it's on the horizon we're going to keep making games just not the narratively important one uh fucking so square enix what they, else? they can uh, get to fuck yeah. What else do we have this week? Um, oh, oh, we have a bit of exciting news. If you pre-ordered uh, Mario Maker at Game this week in the UK, <laughs> this is still. You told me about this before we recorded. It is still hilarious. It is bloody hilarious. So basically, if you pre-ordered Mario Maker from Game this week, they charged you for five copies of the game, <laughs> and this was on I think Monday, and they were like, oh. Fuck, sorry. Um, we've charged you like two hundred pound for your forty pound pre-order. We'll pay you back by the end of the week, probably. You know, <laughs> you know the hundred and sixty pound that's not ours. Give us a week. <laughs> what if someone needed that for their dinner? That's, I'm serious. Like, I am seriously wondering, like, what what a game gonna do to compensate people? Where it's like, oh, my rent was due. Fuck. Yeah, and I know some arrogant people will be all like, well, if they're, if they're living that close to the line, they shouldn't be buying games. First of all, fuck off. Yeah. It's their money, they can do what they like with it. Um, it's Is not it? games money, they shouldn't be taking it. And yeah. if that has fucked someone over on their rent, then game is fucking liable. Exactly, like, I've seen people being like, oh, well, if you're that close to not being able to pay rent, then you shouldn't be 
spending money on disposable things. It's like, well, why what not? If you are sense, if you're sensible with your bloody money, and it's like, okay, I need a hundred and sixty pound for rent or for food, but I have this forty pound left over. I can afford to spend some disposable income, and I will be okay. Yeah, how, I mean, that's who how the fuck I are live. you to tell people no? You can't spend any of your money in case you get dicked over. Yeah, I lived like that for a while because I, mm. I I worked a, a, in a part time job and I'm, I I had money for my rent, had money for my food, and a little bit of fuck around money. Mm. And believe me, when you're living poor, you want all the fuck about time you can get. Yeah, that's you what keeps to... you from being bloody depressed about the fact you have no bloody money to spend. Exactly. So don't give me any of this fucking elitist shit from your high fucking horse. What exactly will that extra 40 quid be saved for? Like, well, like what? Do, are you going to build a fucking... Are you going to become the next Bill Gates based on that 40 quid? And that 40 Especially quid... Especially considering that, that 40 yeah. quid might even have been saved up over four months at yeah, a tenner a month. You and know. that 40 quid turns into basically just like, hey, you can keep making new bits of game for yourself to keep yourself, you know, amused for God knows how long. Like, mm. of all the games that you can make that argument about, it's like, yeah, no, this is probably going to keep someone amused for months and months and months while they have no disposable income. So fuck you. Yeah. Mm. So either way, you know, disposable or not, game, game's such a shit. Like, I, I, it's been many, many years, of course, since I lived in the UK. I still remember game. What a shit place that is. Game is a bit shit, but, you know, they are the gaming retail option if you, you know, if Amazon has sold out of stuff. They're basically the the British, I guess, the British uh, GameStop at yeah. this point. And, and they have uh, no competition at this thing. point in the UK. Yeah, they bought, didn't they buy GameStation? Well, well they, the, the story they tried. was, game went bankrupt, then got bought out of bankruptcy and, like, ref like, unliquidated somehow out of bankruptcy used the money they got after being bankrupt to buy their competitor GameStation closed down half of games branches and half of GameStation's branches and turned the remaining GameStation branches into game branches meaning that two years after they went bankrupt all they've done is they've taken the profitable business that used to be their competition closed it down and assimilated it oh good I used to like GameStation GameStation, I like. They had good trading values. Um, well, that was another was... thing I did when I was yeah. poor as shit. That's why I used to defend, uh, back when online passes were a thing and people hated second-hand games, part of the reason why I defended it so much is is I lived hand-to-fucking-mouth. Mm. And trading store credit at GameStation, that's how I got fucking games. It was about £3 a game higher than it was at game, which, you know, meant a lot at that moment. It's like, I can buy an extra copy of... Yu-Gi-Oh on the Game Boy Advance for that. For yeah, three you know, quid. That's you know for the game that's left in the bargain bucket. That's an extra game I can get now. It 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 would keep you in Yu-Gi-Oh games yes. for as long as you need. It would keep you in whatever's in the bargain bucket, which would keep you entertained for a while. There was some good shit in the bargain bucket. I um, let's see, bargain bucket games I played. Shadow Hearts, Ooh. which is fucking awesome, and the Shadow Hearts series is something. I, if if we're talking about remasters, if you remastered the first three Shadow Hearts games, like easy day one buy from this person here. Um, what was it? Shadow of Memories, that other one, that weird fucking time travel game with the guy with the really long legs. Um, who was trying to stop himself getting killed and kept going back and forth through time in this weird little European-looking village. Um, two, those are two games I got thanks to the Bargain Bucket. I, I'll, I'll not hear a bad word said against the Bargain Bucket. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the name of the specific game was, but there was a Game Boy Advance game 
that was a Yu-Gi-Oh game, I can't remember which one, I got it in the bargain bucket at GameStation and it still had all three of the collectible trading cards in the pack, which for a pre-owned copy of a game, I was like, yeah, I got my three Yu-Gi-Oh cards with this, fuck yeah. Have I mentioned that that I keep getting Yu-Gi-Oh cards sent to me? (laughs) If if you want to send them my way, I'll take them. I, I, I don't know where they are now. Like, they're I, all over the place. I used to play, and then I, I jumped out of the game, and this weekend, while I was away at Alcon, um, I got talking to someone about the, the terrible yet endearing Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, and my oh, God, God. It, re, it reinvigorated my love of is that Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Is Yu-Gi-Oh! like <sighs> to Pokemon what GoBots was to Transformers? Is that what Yu-Gi-Oh! is? Um, okay, it's, um, it's, you know, Magic the Gathering. Um, it's it's it's, it's Magic the Gatherings it's, GoBots. It's it's uh. Magic the Gatherings GoBots. Yes. Oh, speaking of um, uh, card game type stuff, uh, did you see that they're making physical Gwent cards? No. Yeah. Oh. Apparently, Ooh. I heard somewhere. Now, don't quote me on that because I might have heard a bullshit rumor, but apparently, it's it's uh, it's coming. They Which would makes sense because there's a huge too. demand for that. Yeah. yeah, they would be. If they I would can, be if I can buy a full too. set of them without having to buy them through like yeah. booster packs, without having to go around to pubs and, and beating the. Yeah. I've seen for... a fan. I've seen a fan who made like printed up and made their own like like made them look really professional and they mm. look fucking gorgeous. Um, but anyway, right back to the Yu-Gi-Oh cards because um, I got a public PO box and someone signed it up for like a weekly like shonen thing shonen weekly i get a shiny Yu-Gi-Oh card like every time i check in my fucking PO did you box. get your shiny slice for the sky dragon um i don't know what i got like honestly i look at them i go oh fuck another Yu-Gi-Oh card then i put it in the glove box yeah um, i but yeah as, so as i don't su- know who done it as a side note i am gonna soon have a public po box i am doing the paperwork this week because oh. people keep asking to send me stuff and i'm like well Fuck yeah, I guess it's time. That's it. It's yeah. let us know when you get your first dildo. Like it took me like 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 less than a month before I, my first I one. I guarantee came in. the day that I put that PO box link up, <laughs> someone will order a dildo. Someone so. will say, I've been I've been sitting on this one, not literally. And yeah. uh, they'll be they can't wait. i actually though, I will say, I get very few I I've only ever gotten one sex toy through that PO box. Um, for as much as as there are as as many jokes as there are about dildos coming my way, uh, not literally. Now see, this is um, the problem. You don't tell people that you've only ever had one because now they realise they can send you them. That's because, true. But I think the thing stopping people sending more is that they thought there was an oversaturated market, and you've now given them the clue that means oh oh we can send Jim dildos. It's underserved, if yeah. anything. Um, I, I although it brings up an ethical dilemma because if 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 a fan sends you a dildo. Right, and you then use it. Are you? Is it would feel like having sex with a fan, and you don't know who that fan is, and it yeah. feels there's an ethical mm. dilemma in the use of Plus fan you make sent sure dildos. That you only use the ones that are in the wrapper. Even then, you maybe want to give them a swab first. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just get a swab sample of them tested first. Give it, give it a quick spray with some anti-back at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what, what, what were we talking about before we got onto this? Before, before we got onto dildo ethics. Oh, Mad Max. Who here played oh. Mad Max this week? Uh, I, Jim uh, I played did. it last week. Uh, I played a bit. <laughs> Jim, yes, Jim, Jim had did. Jim had some fun with uh, with the review, didn't you? <laughs> 
I have barely read those comments. Mm. I barely, like, I looked, I skimmed over, I saw some goddamn moronic shit being said and uh, decided to just just you, let them have you, it. You got some comments this week from people who clearly are not Podquisition listeners, because if they were, they would understand the reasons why it's okay not to finish a game before you review it. Oh, did some of them bring that up? I don't give a fuck. Yeah, there's been a few I of honestly, those fuckers. But... I don't give a fuck, right? There was I, a guy who disclosed... said that, that, that you were irresponsible because you reviewed it with a different opinion to the majority. I was like, what? Oh, God. Yes, because <laughs> somehow, like, disagreeing with Metacritic means that you're wrong, not that you have an opinion that differs from other opinions. I find, As I, I said, find, because I, I saw that one, I find that attitude so fucking oh, creepy. Like, I ha- like, yeah. Mm. Creepy I that had... you think you're wrong and unprofessional and should be ostracized if you don't march in lockstep with everyone else. I if had... you, I had some of those comments for my review of Danganronpa, another episode, Ultra Despair Girls, which I gave a lower score than the average considerably last week. And I was like, you know what? It's it's got really shitty third person shooting combat that just really turns me off. So no, I'm not mm. going to give it a higher score. And there was so much like, oh, but everyone else gave it a higher score for the story. Why didn't you? It's uh. like, I mean, if if everyone else gave it a high fucking score, go be happy that it got, like, critically well received. You're doing the game a disservice by focusing on, like, the handful of outlying negatives, right? Because mm. then you're just turning the whole conversation into this game I, like, got a bad review, which, which, which... If you'd make that the conversation, that makes the game look worse in everybody else's mm. eyes because all we're talking about is how this game got slated if, by a critic. If you're so afraid of people criticising that game, that says something about the quality of the game. And, and if you're angry about review scores, just fuck off. Yeah. Like that, that, not, not, to, not to be too intellectual in my discourse here, but just fuck off. Um, <laughs> And I this think, is to say nothing just... of when Penny Arcade got involved uh... and and decided to have a go at the Polygon review because they gave Mad Max a five and Tycho was all like, I got angry at this because there's no way, no way, like almost as if it's a scientific fact. No way is this game a five. If you've used the harpoon, it's not a five. Um, and if, if you say it's just opinion, then that's a villain's refuge like you're in a smuggler's cove. It's, it's very purple. Um, I think we need to, as well, as stop giving so much agency to Metacritic. I think that's the... Because a lot of the complaints I saw were like, oh, it's going to lower the score on Metacritic. And we saw some other stuff like that last year where people yeah. were annoyed about that with other games. And why do we give so much fuck. agency to a Metacritic score? Well, it does not fucking matter. It's one of those things. Even if the publishers are going to give agency to that score, that's not our job as a reviewer to to think about. It's not like, our and job. you know what? And, some and, of some mm. of the worst reviewed games ever are some of the biggest sellers ever. You know, I mean, do you remember that mm. fucking game that came out a few years ago, Sniper Ghost Warrior? I think it was called. It was. Although sniper completely games. demolished by every review. Was that the one where you could shoot Hitler millions. in the testicle? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think No, no, no. I know the one you're thinking yeah. of. It's there was a different that, one. That, whatever game you could shoot Hitler in the testicle in got really bad reviews but sold really yeah. well. Yeah, no, I know the one you're thinking of, but I, I the one I'm thinking of is kind of a more it's like a Call of Duty clone kind of thing. Uh, but um it got it was universally shit on by every critic that reviewed it and it sold millions. Like uh, sold a shitload. 
People so, love shit. The Michael Bay uh, Transformers films do fantastic. People love shit. Yeah. So if you're worried about the game not selling, as if you're the game's publisher or marketing manager, right? Don't do their job for them. You're not getting any money. They don't know. They don't care whether you live or die. Individual in the comments whining and wanking yeah. over the game. Like in all in all reality, there's going to be like how many people are going to not buy a game because it got a bad review. Very few. Very few. People people will buy it and be a little bit like, uh, uh, about it, but because they wanted to be excited about it, they'll feel slightly better than that and they'll be okay and they won't lose sleep over the fact they bought it and everything will keep turning. Mm. I just can't believe that Twitter is so full of the same review discussions and review score discussions that have been going on since 2006. They're going like, to go on indefinitely. I know, this no is why resolution. I'm so churlish about it now. I've no. been doing this job for almost 10 years. I'm so fucking exhausted of the words bias, opinion, uh, uh, metacritic, of the same arguments, the same people who are like, well, if Jim's score is so different from the rest of the critic scores, who's wrong? He is wrong because of argumentum ad populum. Like, I'm so fucking sick of it, every it fallacy, be, every argument. Some people every... Ha- it's like some people have different tastes and some people have different experiences with an interactive piece of media mm. and people's perspectives therefore are different. The worst thing is it makes mm. me hate the game even more. Mad Max before, when I reviewed it, subpar. Now, mm. all I want to do is say Mad Max is fucking shit. Well, Absolute <laughs> fucking shit, I, mate. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It is, it is a mediocre game that... I am frustrated about talking about at this point. <laughs> yeah, like it's... And, and I know, here's another thing. People say, oh, well, he just wants clicks. First of all, clicks on a, a, on a site that runs no ads on which I do not measure any traffic. So don't really give a shit about the clicks, mate. Um, and, and people were saying, oh, he's doing it for attention. I had no idea enough people gave a shit. Warner Brothers itself didn't give a shit about the game. I I did not expect that Mad Max, of all things, would be the game to bring out some of the most harebrained fucking opinions I I have read in recent months. I genuinely assumed people would read that review and just not care and would, like, forget about Mad Max's existence. Because mechanically, it is a decent enough game mechanically that is visually and narratively boring as fuck. It's just another one. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, just another AAA open yeah. world game. It's, it's like, just this, another this is a, one. This is a good engine put to shit use. And that is all I really had on it. It's like, yeah, it was alright. I got bored of it very quickly. Yeah. It was unfortunate so to come to out as well in on the same day as one of the best games ever made. <laughs> you know? Which is also oh, yeah, an open world game. Unfortunate. Um, it's like I said, like Buy the game several months from now when the price has gone down and all the good games, you finish playing them. And you've got yourself a serviceable, subpar but not terrible open world Exactly. Game. Play it in like the early summer drought next year when you can get it for a tenner. It, it'll be not bad. That this creatively bankrupt spoonful of AAA grey sludge has been the catalyst for a, 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 a days-long conversation about review scores. Again, Boggles my fucking mind. 
Thoughts and stuff. So how about that Mass Effect three ending anyway? Ah, <laughs> that was that was a fun that was a fun conversation. There were a lot of people on Twitter that were very happy I defended that ending. They were all like, "Yay, mm. no one defends that ending." There I'm was like, a good um, yeah. there was a good discussion about that in our comments. Actually, I think people were I'd about never 50, yeah. people were fifty fifty with with either and of us. I, on the Jimquisition website, mm. I've never had Podquisition get like that many comments. Like the Mass Effect three thing is still one of yeah. the most contentious issues in the game industry. It's, it's a very divisive it's a very divisive topic and there mm. seemed to be a lot of people that were very happy to see the the side of that argument made that's not often made at this point which is like ah, I thought it was a decent ending. Yeah. Which mm. that was that was which nice to see that I'm <laughs> let's not get into that one Gavin. I, I, I am the paragon to your renegade. I do not wish to have to punch you in the face but I will do. I will do that one renegade action if I must. It'll be a blemish on my on my pair of charts, but I will do it if I must. You've I'm grown tired of my disingenuous assertions. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to pull the right trigger and then punch you in the face and then be like, fuck you, reporter. <laughs> I've been playing a game called Dropsy. Oh, the, the clown one. Yeah. That's a fucking game. It is indeed a <laughs> That's fucking game. That's a video game. game. Tell, um, us about, is... tell us about your clown game. Right, I love it, but it's so I, it's so hard to describe. I don't know how I'm going to review it yet. Um, I'm not that far in it yet. I still got to go through it. Um, one thing I love is amidst your yeah, King's Quests and your Walking Dead's and your yeah, Telltale um, stuff, all that. Uh, this is re- really a point and click adventure game, like straight from the night is themed kind of proper point and clicking puzzle mm. solving. Um, you are this misshapen clown called Dropsy who has no hands, and his face is just this giant round, no pupils in his eyes, a few yellow teeth. Like it's just this horrible, bulbous monster who is somehow adorable despite being horrific. Um, who's going around this this town, um, solving people's problems, and. Part of the puzzle of it is there's no dialogue. People was, make rip, 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 rip noises. Mm. I was going to ask because I was I couldn't get a gri- like an answer from people whether it had voice acting or not. So no dialogue. Okay. No dialogue. It's got okay. you know simlish style. You know people go rip, 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 rip. Um, and speech bubbles appear above their heads with symbols, and from those symbols you've got to infer what the problem is, and that's the biggest challenge. And it it's. Interesting how it works, because when I first played, um, I recorded myself playing, and I kind of blazed in uh, ahead in the wrong direction, I think, from where, where I was meant to go, and encountered all these people and had no fucking clue what they were talking about. Like, what, what does any of this mean? But then the more you play it and you start to pick up items that bear similarities to a problem someone has, or you see a logo of a building... Uh, that references that someone referenced that you were speaking to earlier, and it's like, ah, so they want something from here, and they clearly want this item, and then it sort of starts to come together, and it's like piecing together the gibberish uh, to solve the puzzles, and I'm finding it fascinating, and also absolutely fucking heartbreaking. Like there are moments in that game. There's a, a moment early on. I won't spoil it, but you're you're on your way to. Um, it's presented as you're on your way to a little girl's birthday party. And the revelation uh, in that miniature beginning story arc, like, broke my fucking heart. 
And it's not presented mawkishly. It's not presented even sadly. Um, it's just the the, t- the the tone of it remains cheery and bouncy, and, and you know, you've got this fun, happy clown. But when you realise what he's doing and what the circumstance is, it's like, holy shit, that's tragic. Uh, so, oh. so far, like, Dropsy is looking to be one of the most... Uh, one of the more fascinating games I've played in a while. It's just... Mm. It's bewildering. And some of the... When it goes dark and, and properly freaky, like that, it's got some of the most sick imagery and not in a not in an even an adult way or, or or an offensive way just sick in a this upsets my brain this is psychologically wrong um outside of silent hill i don't think i've seen stuff this twisted that's really interesting that definitely is shooting up my list of games i need to mm. get through at some point uh I would definitely recommend people at least give it a look. There's a video on my YouTube channel if people want to look at the early uh, sector of it. And the people who made it are so nice as well. Um, I got A few of them sent me a message after I did my initial video, and they, they just seemed so thrilled and happy, almost surprised that someone seemed to like it. And they're always lovely, those kinds of developers who seem surprised <laughs> that people enjoy their game. It's always nice when that happens. Like Even though I wasn't super sold on... Um what was the game that you told me about? The one, the point and click adventure. Oh, knee deep. Uh, knee deep. Yeah. Like, even though I wasn't super into knee deep, I got so many nice messages from the developers for having given it a shot. See, it's like, like that. oh, makes, that's nice. Makes a change from the ones who have a wanker meltdown because you criticise their game. You know. Yeah. Like I saw a comment on an inbox for a site I used to run the other day where it was like. Uh, well, in your review where you were talking about the bad dialogue, you misspelt one of the words, so it's not technically a quote, so don't do that. I was like, fuck off. <sighs> oh, reviews. I, I, in, a way I, in a way, I kick myself, because it's like, you know, I did the Patreon and, and everything and relaunched Jimquisition on its own, and I could have just said, you know what, I'll focus purely on audiovisual media. Could have just done Jimquisition and Podquisition and maybe come up with some other video series ideas. But no, I had to say, I still want to do written reviews. Well, it would have been a shame for you not to do them. You do good written reviews, so it would have been a shame to, to, to miss that. I do, I do enjoy the process of writing them. Like yeah. It's still one of the things I'm most passionate about. But my God, when I look at... <laughs> When I look at some of the reactions and the things that go on in written reviews... Just don't uh, read the comments. I'm just happy that Polygon has taken my heat over these past few years. (laughs) Like, I used to be the one who had the bad reputation, who was, oh, Jim the outlier, Jim the bias, Jim the guy who downgrades scores on purpose. The thing is, Polygon will will rate a game slightly lower than everyone else, and they will also offhandedly mention something social justice warrior-y, and as such... Oh, they were. Oh, they they voted it down because because it's women. Ah. And yeah, so <laughs> so Polygon's kind of taken a lot of the heat off me. Um, even on the even on that stuff, you know, because I slated the shit out of Quiet in my um, not Quiet herself, but you know, Quiet's clothing and treatment of in the game in mm. my review. But no one again. I stopped reading comments. I stopped reading comments after like the first fifty because that's when it starts to go into shit yeah. mountain. Um, so I don't know if anyone did get whiny about it, but I... Ooh, fun fun story this week about reading comments. After mm. mentioning last week that I read every single email that comes through the podquisition oh inbox, so many emails were just like would reference that. There were so many emails that were like, 
Uh, if you're reading this, and I know that you are, because you said on the podcast you read oh, 100% God. of emails, so I 100% know you're reading this right now. I'm just like, uh, okay, okay, get to the point. <laughs> no, it, yeah. I, I joke. It, it's not that bad. There have been a few... There have been a few interesting ones this week, seemingly trying to rise to the challenge. I read them all. I answered mm. someone's question about what my... What was it? My my thoughts on the representation of Sour Patch Kids. They'd written a dissertation on Sour Patch Kids, the sweets that are shaped like children. <laughs> I read it. I read it. I gave a score out of seven for my opinion on Sour Patch Kids. Having read their dissertation, I gave them. An, I was going to give them a five. Moved, it, bumped it up to a six because they put their sources at the end of the dissertation. I still read all the bloody emails. You're not going to beat me yet, Internet. <laughs> oh man, I should go get some Sour Patch Kids. Now. Yeah, Sour Patch Kids. Um. Uh, I think there was another thing I wanted to talk about this week. Oh, I want to talk about a VR game I played this week. Oh, yes, you, yes this yeah. sounds really interesting. Mm. This is a game I've been hearing about for probably a year or so now, and um, I don't believe it's available yet. Um, I own an Oculus, but unfortunately I couldn't find a copy of this online. It's a game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, and it is a kind of VR, kind of social video game in which... One person wearing the VR headset can see a bomb that has a randomly assigned set of components and a five-minute timer. And the other person has a bomb defusal manual that is about 30 pages long um, and that is incredibly convoluted in the way it's written. And the person with the manual cannot see the bomb. So it is a game about communication between two people of, okay, what can you see? Does the does the bomb have this component where it's a set of wires? Does it have the bunch of weird symbols? Does it have the... Um, the does it have a big bright button that has a word on it? If so, what colour is that button? What word is on it? Okay, if it's this word, then we don't touch the button at all. If it's this one, we press and release straight away. If it's blue with a bought written on it in white, you hold it down until one of the digits on the timer on the bomb is at one, then you let go. Um, what colour are the wires? What order are the wires in? If it's red, then yellow, then white, then do, then you, then you cut the second wire... And it's all about trying to frantically describe back and forth very, in very convoluted manners what you're seeing so that you can look through this convoluted manual for bomb defusal and find the correct things to tell them to do with the mm. bomb. And you have, I believe, three minor mistakes you can make before the bomb goes off. Right. Um, and you'll know that a component of the bomb has been successfully deactivated if a little green light comes on on it. So what you're telling me is this is a game where it encourages you to never stop talking. Exactly. It encourages <laughs> you to never stop talking or people explode. If you if you stop talking, people will explode. If you keep Man, talking, so nobody will game. explode. You two would be amazing at <laughs> <Yeah>. this game. <laughs> I would love to play this with Jim if I ever had a chance. It's, it's a really bloody fun video game. Um, it is difficult i watched a lot of people play it unsuccessfully diffusing the bomb because of how convoluted the bomb diffusal manual is but everyone whether they diffused the bomb or not had a rollicking good time trying to do it and this is the kind of thing where i'm like this is a really smart use of vr that allows people who are not in the vr headset to still be part of the experience and, yeah, I'm liking because mm. there've been other things like that, like the the grave, the coffin one, and everything. Yes, and those are really interesting. Those sort of one person's wearing the VR headset, other people are having a different experience. Yeah, um, and you're sort of separately experiencing the world, trying to sort each other it's, out. It's something they tried to do 
with the Wii U gamepad as well before mm. they gave up trying to do things with the Wii U gamepad where things like the Zombie U multiplayer mode where one person's using a traditional controller fighting zombies on the screen mm. and you've got the gamepad and you're spawning zombies well, basically controlling them and you know I what, love stuff like you know that. what could be really awesome for that is like something where um where the person wearing the like maybe some kind of a horror game where the person wearing the the VR headset can't see the enemies and the people outside can see them on a screen and they have to tell you mm. where it is. Oh, that would be yeah. terrifying! Like there yeah. are ways of doing really cool stuff with VR. Like my my favorite Wii U implementation of that is still um, Find Me or Chase Me on the Nintendo Land Collection. It was the one where four people are running around a map. Um, trying to avoid the fifth person who has the gamepad and has a top-down view of where everyone is. Like, there were some really good implementations of that, like, mm-hmm. that setup in Nintendo Land and in nothing else, really, which is a shame. But, yeah, um, keep talking and nobody explodes. That's really cool. I hope that it gets released when, you know, the VR headsets come out as commercial products because this is a really bloody fun game. Yeah. yeah. Um, see, it's things like that that make me actually give a slight shit about VR. And it's hard mm. to make me give a shit about VR, slight mm. or otherwise. Uh, but things like that... So, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of asymmetrical, cooperative, mm. or multiplayer gaming um, in many situations. Uh, anything that gives di- uh, different players different experiences within the same game, it, it always has my attention. Even if it turns out to be shit, it at least gets my attention. Yeah. Um, And VR is good for that. I'll give it that. And considering the length of this manual, I suspect that the plan with this game is like when I played it, it was here's three modules of a bomb, but there's several empty spaces for extra modules and a five minute time limit. I suspect you could ramp up the length of that time and have considerably more modules running at once Mm. on a bomb with the same number of chances to mess up. And like there were huge sections of the manual that I never touched it seems like there is a lot of potential gameplay in here. So, yeah, I'm excited about there that. There we are. But, um, the name of it, again, is Keep Talking. Keep, or talking, everybody... keep talking and Nobody Explodes. Nobody Explodes. Which is the opposite so... of what I thought the title was, because I <laughs> thought it was Stop Talking and Everyone Explodes. <laughs> which either way works. Yeah, exactly. But no, mm. keep, either way works. keep talking and Nobody Explodes. So there we go. Yeah. And as Gavin said before we recorded... Sounds like a uh, podquisition the game. <laughs> That's fine. We we would all explode if if Gav had his way because we uh, we'd stop talking for him. Uh... Well, one person in particular would would like Gavin to stop talking forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> among the comments um, about Mass Effect Three on the uh, in the reaction to the last podquisition, there was one guy who just seemed to really have it out for Gav. <laughs> Uh, which surprises me. Like I, I don't get. First of all, he was pissed off that your that you your music is traded under the name Miracle of Sound, mm. which he found to be very arrogant. Which I, which as I explained to him and I have explained many times on this show, the miracle part is not self-referential. It's just saying yeah. that music itself, all music, is awesome. Mm. But, and then yeah. he was giving out that only idiots use words like miracle because they don't exist. And then he was saying my opinions are <laughs> sexist. Oh. And I asked him to, I because I take criticism like that pretty seriously if they say something like that. And I asked him, could you point me out to something I said that's sexist? And he, no, he couldn't. So 
And if, this, you know, I, I was just amused because Gavin's usually not the one who people dislike. Usually, if if people dislike someone on the show, it's good ninety nine percent chance it's going to be me. <laughs> well, he was saying that like you know he he never listens and maybe some introspection is in order. And I I responded to him. I said I've dealt with an internet audience for five years, and this is the first time I've ever had a comment like this. So. Forgive me if it doesn't cause that much introspection, but you know. Yeah. But for the commenters, I mean, if you ever hear me saying something that sounds sexist or whatever, feel free to tell me. G- Gavin Just, um, is Gavin's. Gavin's good with criticism. If yeah. you make fair yeah. criticism, he will definitely listen. And yeah. and that's an important role. I have that role mm. myself. Some people like have like because it's happened on Ask FM where I've said something and someone's pointed out like that word in particular is. Um, considered, you know, a, an issue for the various, re- you know, the following reasons. And I say, fair mm. enough, I did not know that. I won't use it again. Some people get mm. pissed off that I am then be allowing myself to be censored. Personally, I take it as a challenge to change my vocabulary. Mm. Um, so I appreciate if, if, you know, and as someone who has had a rather storied history of, of let's say, being a fucking shithead in the past when it comes to um, mm. uh, things that I would find funny or appropriate to say. Uh, I always appreciate, uh, as, as Gavin does, you know, being told when mm. um, the line's being crossed. Yeah. Like, but, but, I, but, but, I, but by I, letting I, us know, I mean, I mean, let us know. I mean, tell us and, you know, tell us, oh, this upset me or whatever. But yeah, not, like, don't go, like, posting on Gamergazzy going, look at this guy. Because that's like, not constructive. Drop, drop that doesn't polite, help anyone. Yeah. <laughs> drop a polite email to the askpodquisition at gmail.com address and like I'll pass it on to whoever it needs to be passed on to. Because like this week I had I had a very good conversation about sort of critical aspects of my role on the show with someone on Twitter who was talking about sort of they were catching up on shows and they were listening to the pre-E3 show. Um and they were concerned that I came across as really sort of anti-American and sort of a little bit unfairly anti-American. And they sort of cited like, okay, you uh, like the way that I talked about being afraid of going to America. And then when Jim said that England was equally bad, uh, as bad as America, I was like, ah, eh, America's kind of worse. And I took that on board. I was like, I can see where you took that from. Um, my side on this is that like me and Gav, we are not from America and Jim Jim's been on both sides of the pond I generally trust Jim to tell me if I'm being overly unfair towards America um, because you know he's been on both sides of that but equally oh, you're, you know you're passing the blame on to me in this instance no, Jim fucked up by no, not telling what, what me I, what I said was I was like well you know I generally trust Jim on that and I can see where your complaints come from my I was attempting to be like very obviously like stereotyping the British view of America because I understand that America is not entirely as scary as I made it out to be but equally all we hear about America here is the excessive things and as such you know there is a stereotyped view I hope that it comes across as stereotyped I've not heard anyone else make that complaint I think but there's a- I, I bear in mind that you have that complaint I will try to keep that in mind and if I hear that from anyone else I will certainly work on that there's a, there's a tendency of there's a tendency of everyone in every country to think of their their own way of being as the default and i think it shocks a lot of and and then when you hear news from other countries you only hear the ex- extreme stuff and i think it surprises a lot of americans when people have this extreme view of them but it's it's because think, our our media hmm. works the same way yours does yeah. we only hear the extreme stories coming out of america and, it, I think I think it's more of a shock for America than a lot of other countries because America 
has more of a default. Well, America in, in has so more of a sense of cultural um, patriotism than most other countries have because everyone in England thinks England is shit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't give yeah. two shits about England. That is one thing that I I was I I'm still puzzled by in America is the 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 blind devoted love yeah. that you're supposed the, to have. The, for the you country. grow up from a very young age, like the idea of s- swearing a pledge of allegiance to a flag before you are old enough to understand the context of the words you're saying is a bit of an alien concept to people in other countries. And mm. it's one of those things. We sometimes forget that America is as devotedly patriotic a country as it is. And, mm. you know, some of the self, self-referential self humour we have about our country being shit and exaggerating the negative aspects of our own country don't translate as well to America. Yeah. Because yeah. But, America but at the same time, kind of great. you can't argue that America isn't scary because Donald Trump... Yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's a slam dunk there. But uh, just to go back to the other thing, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, Podquisition is the way it is by my design. Um, Gavin's on the show because I want him on the show. Laura's on the show because I want her on the show. Um, I am very proud of this show. I'm very proud of Gavin and Laura for what they bring to the show. And... There are criticisms that could be had of them, as there are criticisms that can be had of me, absolutely. And all three of us will take those criticisms on board. But I will not abide people slagging off my co-hosts, my friends. I will not abide blind, rampant, unhelpful hatred of these people. Uh, And especially in the case of the person who was banging on at Gavin, who said they didn't even listen to the podcast and were just looking for an excuse to have a pop. Um, Your criticism has been noted. Now stop fucking going on about it. The thing with that, where it felt very different to my experience this week, having a calm conversation about my content on the show, was that like it's like, hey, we're 40... 41, 42 episodes into a show now. People who listen to us regularly know uh, where we fit into this dynamic. If you're just starting listening now and you dislike that dynamic, probably not the show for you. I can recommend Welcome to Night Vale, uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, or or anything by Michael Ian Black. There's some wonderful podcasts out there, but this podcast is this podcast, uh, which we will always, uh, I like to think, we will always try and improve and change and and make better and listen to feedback. But if if you've got a problem with the fundamentals of it, then definitely (laughs) you're not going to change it. It, you know, there, there are not, many you're times I'm not going I'd... to improve. Like, you're never going to improve me by just telling me your opinions and your your shit. You're just shit. You know, I can't yeah, take any constructive be... criticism from that, and I can't use that to improve in any way. Yeah. I, as as the... and it's not going to endear you to the rest of us either. You know. Mm. Yeah, as someone that does a lot of the editing on this show, I can say that like both Jim and Gavin are both very open to calm discussion of criticism of content on the show mm. and way like we we have conversations about like oh was this crossing lines or was this like it, where do we draw those lines we have those conversations on a weekly basis because both of them are more than happy to have those conversations so long as it's done in a constructive way because everyone is is capable of blurting out something very stupid in a moment that even if they mean it as a joke or something that just is very you know, a lot of people might find very distasteful, yeah. and no. 
it's okay this, to point that out. You just don't need to, you know. <laughs> now, this all being said, we got very heavy. We keep doing this. We need to stop doing this. <laughs> it I'm, gets towards the end. We start off all fun and yelling and shouting, and then we get very... Although the theme for this whole episode has been the whining about comments, Emma. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Do you, do you want me to brighten this up to being silly again for a bit? Let's, let's, let's get a bit a, of levity in the situation. I yeah, had, let's get some silly in the I mix. had a drink this week. I had I consumed a thing. I consumed a lesbian energy drink which had been purchased in Brighton for me and which just I don't know what the words on the can were but it had two naked ladies giving each other a bit of a special kiss. So is it an energy drink for lesbians or is it an energy drink using nudie lesbians to sell it? Yeah. Is um, this an energy drink about lesbians? It, like is that the narrative of this drink? <laughs> the narrative of this drink is that this is this is an energy drink for lesbians that doesn't give them just energy in general. It gives you lesbian energy. Like a straight lesbian. person you have this and like while it's coursing through your veins you'll feel just a little bit lesbian. Um, okay. It it was it was quite a pleasant energy drink. It was lightly carbonated, not strongly carbonated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't have the strong sort of like citric or acidic or medical taste that a lot of energy drinks have. It was a very muted, slightly fruity, but not strongly fruity. Right. It was just a very palatable energy drink. Now, Laura, yes. Laura, that's all very interesting. Right. But everybody wants to know, did it enhance your lesbianism? One million percent. Um, I Whoa. yeah, that is a lot of percent. I I drank it and then I cosplayed as Chloe from Life is Strange, who I am pretty sure is the most lesbian video game character ever. <laughs> we took a photo next to a road sign that said Raw Dykes Road. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, we had a very lesbian time. Is that the same day that you were wearing the power armor and had other women like grabbing oh, the? Oh, that was a different. That shapes. was a different day, but I dressed up as um, Commander Shepard from Mass Effect, and there were two women with me who decided they wanted to touch the space tits. So I, I sat there, kind of just like arms spread out, like yes, it is time, friends, touch the space tits. And they just kind of sat and touched my space tits for a minute. You honestly, you looked like drink. the Don, like. <laughs> You look badass, just like like lying back while these women were just fondling the yeah, space tits. So, it was you know, amazing. You know that that is how you that is the effect that lesbian energy drink can have on you. Go to Brighton. I think they also sell this in Camden Market in London. Look out for the blue they head. Definitely look do. out for the blue head lesbians on the can of energy drink. <laughs> One, th- yeah, you'll have a wild couple of days. You'll, you'll. I want to try this drink. I I grew up around um, groups of lesbians when I was a kid, so maybe this will uh, remind yeah. me of my youth. Have have, <laughs> have some. You will find yourself um, being a time traveling lesbian, taking photos with lesbian funny road signs. Then someone will touch your space tits. It will be great. <laughs> that sounds. And there's no. There, I I can assure you there in Camden Market. There ain't nothing you can't I, get. I believe Camden it's Market. Camden Market and you can also get them in Brighton. Did I ever tell you what I did in Camden Market? What did you do in Camden Market, Jim? Right. I um Is this gonna have something to, to do with wanking? No, 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 no. Um I used to do a sketch comedy show with a friend of mine. I've I've, I've mentioned this before. Um uh, uh, we had several names. I think by the end of it, we called ourselves the Outsiders. Um, so we were the Outsiders, me and my friend Leo VK. And because we didn't know what comedy was, one of our recurring characters was a serial killer. But that is what he did. He just, 
we'd end some sketches with the person just being offed. Um, and I was this serial killer wearing like an army uh, camo top, like an uh, army surplus camouflage top, and a mask, like a face mask, like an eyes wide shut mask that was half gold, half black, um, and gloves and all that stuff, obviously. Um, obviously. Obviously. Leo, one of his recurring characters was a guy called Lennon Brown who um, had a, a wife who was burned in an accident and he tells stories of these horrific things that happened to him and his wife um, of various car accidents, various family I, I, I wonder what started Gavin's injuries off. I wonder <laughs> where those began. Um, but he used to tell them as funny anecdotes at parties. I think um, that's... Well, uh, actually, someone was asking... Sorry to interrupt you here, but did that start when I took a high heel to the foot? Was that where that Yes, thing that started? is where it began, was when okay. you took a high heel to the foot and we started okay. joking about it getting infected. Cool. Con- continue, Jim. I mean, being totally <laughs> I, serious I about describing the infections. Um, but but um, anyway, so, so he was this obnoxious character who used to drink wine and he'd talk all like that and... and have this ridiculous voice. <laughs> One of those sort of Admiral Akbar almost. Um, so he dressed up as him and played a stylophone. Now, a stylophone is one of those things that before he was a dirty fucking paedophile, uh, Rolf Harris used to play them. I mean, I say that as if he stopped playing them. He may, he may very, they may have given him one in prison. Um, I, I don't recommend it. Take the man's stylophones away from him. He's a fucker. Um, but anyway, um, had a stylophone. Now, that's a weird little instrument. I'm sure Gavin's well familiar with them, um, where you get a needle and play it over a, an almost keyboard-like surface to produce strange electronic sounds. So I'm dressed up as this character who we very creatively called Murder Mask, because he murdered people and wore a mask. <laughs> so I'm there with my eyes wide shut, black and gold mask, um, camo top on. Um, he's there in this filthy old uh, brown jacket with a stylophone, and he's leading me around Camden Town Market on a leash, which we just made out of a bit of string. So he's pulling me along on a leash. Like It must have looked like the weirdest... Uh, kink lifestyle thing that two young gay gentlemen could ever have been into as he's leading me around while I'm lunging at people <laughs> and he's yanking me away from them um, while, while, while playing a tune on a stylophone and um, sometimes handing out flyers for the show we were doing which no one came to for some I strange reason why. I don't know why um, but yeah so that, that's how we promoted the show and it got very scary because at one point we walked past some skinheads <laughs> there's a bunch of skinheads in denim and leather hanging around on a bridge and as we passed one of them just like we walked past and one of them just went what like, they're just furious that he'd seen this strange escapade. <laughs> what? And, and I was, like, muttering just, just near my friend Leo, just like, we, we should probably move fast. <laughs> you, you know what music video this has conjured to my mind now? Like, the imagining I'd have had of your show based on this in, encounter? Mm-hmm. Go look up Panic at the Disco... Build God, then we'll talk. Because that is a music video about a stage show in which a, ma- a mime has has invisible sex on a stage for, like, an hour. That's the kind of stuff like, we, we, we thought was that's funny. What yeah. I, that's what I would have imagined that show to be. It's like, I'd turn up and someone would be miming really hardcore sex on the floor. Yeah. I mean, we had ideas well above our station and talent. Like, we wanted an entire sketch that involved... Um, 
Santa Claus coming to visit a family, except the Santa Claus was like covered in black bandages, was about eight foot tall, had elongated arms and claws and shot lasers from its eyes. And we seriously had a conversation about how do we get how do we get laser eyes on this Santa Claus? And it I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the end of that story. We didn't. It never I am happened. so amazed that you did not manage that. Yeah, it's a real I, that, shocker. That, that feels right up there with the serious work email I had to have a few months back about, like, how many butts do we can we fit on the screen in my YouTube intro? What colour do we want the butts? <laughs> what size? What rate should they fall? I still have that email chain. I'm very proud I of once, it. I once got angry at a co, um, co-star of a show because his head couldn't come off. <laughs> I had an idea for a, a, a stunt in the show, but it required a human's head to be detachable. And I was like, fucking hell, Peter. Like, this is what I can't stand about Peter, is his head won't come off when we need it to. Um, I also... I also invented a stunt called the Watership Down. Like, like we were big wrestling fans, and so we had staged fights, kind of like uh, Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson used to have in Bottom and the Young Ones. Except ours were just violent. And I, at one point, and, and again, we were we were kids more or less. Like these late like late teens when we first started. Um, and I said, let's get let's get six breeze blocks, six cinder blocks. I've got a load of glass in the backyard. Let's get three sheets of glass and put them in between these breeze blocks. So we've got three glass shelves. Then what happens is I'll fall off a ladder into those. <laughs> let's get the glass. So we went outside, got the glass, picked up the first pane of glass, and it cut like it, it shattered in half. And once we saw that we were effectively holding like like a three foot long knife, yeah. we panicked and said, "Why were we going to do this?" Uh, so if anyone wonders why like recent Jimquisitions have gone the way they've gone, like the intros and outros have gotten more eccentric, more esoteric, uh, to the point where I'm coughing up blood a lot on the show and I'm wearing a squid hat and spraying orange spray paint into my mouth uh, while pretending to be a, a, an inkling war boy. Um, basically, when I was 17, I didn't have a budget. Now, after many years graft, I have a budget and... Ideas that should never I'll be ever damned have if I'm happened not are happening. That budget <laughs> exactly. On. Silly problem. If, if I can say one thing about Jim, it's that if you think he's gone excessive and over the top with his use of his budget now, just wait and see what he's got planned. He's got some fun stuff in the works. Oh yeah, you know about. Some <laughs> yeah, of this. I have yeah, seen got... some of the things you're planning, and I am quite excited for the journey that we are all about <laughs> to go on. Is it's this like, for I know Jim some Position people, or is this a secret Jim Position, yeah. Um, a lot of people, like lo- most people are loving the way Jim Position is going. Some people think it's getting a bit too much, but I, I've got to warn you, it's not going to get better. Mm. It's If you don't like it, it's not going to get it's, better. Here's, One, here's the thing. You might not like it now. Wait until you see full committal to the the <laughs> gradual journey it's going on. Because once you realise that Jim's fully committed to this journey, you are not going to be able to look away from this particular journey. Do you know what like, welcome was, to um, a world where I've got got more money than ever and no restri- no oversight. That's the problem. <laughs> no one's telling me to stop. Uh, at least on here, I can be like, Jim, no, no, we're cutting that what? out, no. <laughs> I can't do that with you on Jimquisition. I can't stop you doing these silly things. 
Uh, I love my job. Do we have time for some questions? Oh yeah, let's get some questions done. Questions. Uh, Louis Lepine, Louis Louis Lepin wants to know top three favorite boss fights of all time. Because I got Psycho Mantis number one, obviously. Psycho Mantis has got to be in that top three. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. I'm actually thrilled that I recently saw that Hideo Kojima said that Mantis is his his favorite MGS villain. Which I think makes sense when you see how many times he's had weird, subtle appearances in the game. He is the most um, narr- like mechanically interesting villain I have ever fought against. As a boss, he is mechanically fascinating. Yes. As a character, he wasn't I so much fun on the PS4 well. where you couldn't, uh, or on the PS3 where, where, where I was using a PS4 controller and I couldn't change it to slot two. So no, he wasn't so much fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what else, uh, what other bosses are there that are really good? Uh, Cro- I, I would go for Kronos in God of War 3. That was an absolutely spectacular god fight, uh, boss the, fight, where you're, like, running up his arms and legs and oh. shit as he's trying to swap oh, you like yeah. a fly. Oh, I have one. The final boss fight in the wonderful 101. Because if any of you have ever watched, um, Gurren Lagan, it is basically the final six episodes of Gurren Lagan. It is it is to the point where like I will describe Gurren Lagan's ending fight to not ruin wonderful 101s but like that anime ends with you are a giant robot in a giant robot in a giant robot fighting god on a galaxy. Mm. <laughs> and that is the level of excessive boss fight you get with wonderful 101's finale. It's like mm. yeah yep Yep, this this kept escalating. We kept thinking we'd reach the ending. No, it's getting bigger. So that's that's a boss fight and a half. You know what? Um, what? Oh, you go you go first, Jim. I was gonna I was gonna um, add Unaleska from Final Fantasy X. Um, not the hardest boss in the world, but I for some reason I was struggling with her. Um, I don't I can't remember the exact reason why, but it took me a long time to beat her. But it was such a long and storied fight, and had a brilliant fucking intro to it that it's it's one of the most memorable boss fights yeah. I've ever had. And and that's and Final Fantasy X was a game I back in the day I didn't think I liked, and then looking back realized I actually loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like even though Final Fantasy X is far from my favorite, that boss fight uh, with Unaleska is just. I fucking adore that, it. That is the one with uh, with Zidane and Vivi, isn't it? Um, no, no, oh, that's, that's, nine. that's nine. Nine is my five. Nine, that's nine my is Zidane and Final Vivi. Fantasy. Which one's ten? Ten is uh, ten is Tidus. Oh, Tidus and, and Blitzball. The Blitzball stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all of the Souls and Bloodborne and all the Miyazaki oh, games. Oh shit! Yeah. Pretty much, like, there's a lot of the, fanta- bloody fantastic boss fights. Do you know what? Those. What my favorite from those was was um, the Lost Sinner, because for me that um, it it was it was perfect. It was the perfect moment where it showed off the game's combat system really well, and it was like a, a kind of a ballet that you had to navigate. And it wasn't the hardest fight in the game, but for mm-hmm. me, it was definitely very very enjoyable. Yeah. Also, not the most difficult boss fight in a game, but the final battle with Ganondorf at the end of Twilight Princess. Really bloody good in terms of, like, feeling like you are involved in sword combat. Yeah, and he's such a quiet, like... It, it, there's something very quiet and intimate about yeah. that fight. It, it is a fight where it is just you and him and your swords in a very small arena, yeah. and... Just he is this big immovable force that like you cannot get a hit on him. 
And it is just you running and slashing and just he's effortlessly holding back everything you do. Does um, like, oh, so good. Does Scarecrow and Arkham Asylum count as a boss? Fight? I I guess so. I would say for the, I would say so. This, I mean yeah. it's a, it's a very very unique kind of boss, but mm. yeah, it's, it's it's a boss encounter. Oh. Mm. You just got all, me thinking, all the bosses in Bayonetta. Yes. Um mm. basically all of Platinum's games have really good final bosses. Um the other one that's just coming to mind, again another Zelda one, um Skyward Sword, it's run of like three bosses at the end, is really spectacular. It's its whole run of like the, the final three bosses, I thought was stunning. Mm. So yeah. I never really got far in, into Skyward Sword. They didn't care for it. Found found all the motion control stuff could get in the sea as far as I was concerned. That that is fair <laughs> enough. I know a lot of people agree on that. Ooh, the fly, the loved... flying the flying one in Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yes. Of the Colossus rather. Shadow Shadow of the Colossus, um all of the bosses in that again. Mm. <laughs> like, there's a lot of bloody good bosses in that. So there we go. There's more... We didn't really name a top three, we just we just oh, We just said here are, are ones that we like. Don't we like in it. Yeah. How could, can um, we define a good boss fight? Of... And a bad boss fight? For me I... a bad boss fight is one that introduces a new mechanic that you have to learn while fighting the boss. For me a good boss fight is one that tests you on the mechanics the game has already taught you. Uh, for me, That's I think... very hallmarky of Zelda, the ones that test yeah. you. I mm. think for me, it's... Uh, there is one thing I can say that sums up my like all of my favourite boss fights, which is a sense of overcoming futility. That you get into the start of that boss fight feeling like this thing is an immeasurably tall challenge for you that this is something that I cannot overcome that and you have to learn to use the mechanics you've got to take down this thing that you shouldn't uh, have any ability to take down I think that that sums up what I love about a lot of the Souls bosses in particular mm. is where the biggest challenge isn't mechanical but psychological yeah like Dark Beast Pearl from oh, um, fucking Blood Dark Pearl. Beast Pearl I did not think <laughs> I did not find Dark Beast Pearl a tough boss when I actually spined up and went toe to toe with it but it it annihilated me the first time I ever met it because I was panicking because yeah. it turned up and I was like what the fuck is the, this I can't win the, this the first time or well the the most recent time that I beat the Dark Beast Pile when I was doing it on New Game Plus I managed to do it because I stopped thinking about what I was doing and like I was doing this on Twitch and I was just talking to people about like Oh yeah, rather than talking about Dark Beast Pile again, just talk about, you know, depression and stuff and, you know, talk about overcoming depression. And then I just wasn't thinking about the Dark Beast Pile and down he went. Dark Beast Pile like, became yeah. the depression you overcame. Exactly. It was, it was all very moment. metaphorical. It was beautiful. Pile is like his other four-legged bosses in that if you stop locking on, just run in underneath his belly. So many people have told me that and I can't do that boss unlocked. I have to lock the camera. Really? I do worse when I don't lock the camera on Dark Beast Pal. I I'll tell you what, though. For... Sorry. Oh no! I just I find with those games that when um when you're locked onto bosses that jump around a lot, it's it's a nightmare. <laughs> I prefer I, not I, to lock on for the I ones that jump. I can see that, but for yeah. me, it just it works better if I stay locked on. Um, but yeah, what other questions we got? Um, Eric... I was just going to mention briefly, um, just briefly, because because it is an annoyance of mine. Fine. Um, when Gavin mentioned like bad boss fight examples, 
any of the ones that summon a ton of minions oh, while you're God, yeah. the boss. Oh, yeah. Especially if the boss is hard enough without Fucking them. Joker like in Arkham Asylum. Smacks of laziness oh. to me. Mm. These ones that keep resummoning yeah. minions. It's like... It's it's such an artificial spike in difficulty. I'm like, yeah. fuck off. And for, for me, I find that also really frustrating because you're like, I want to fight the boss. Stop holding me back from fighting the boss. It's yeah. It's like kind of teasing you or not yeah. teasing you but just restraining you i don't like it the the only time that i like stuff like that is when you have those waves before the boss fights a fight starts where it's like here we're going to ramp up from very early game enemies right up to the stuff that you've been struggling with that's like your hardest of the grunts possible okay now into the boss fight and once the boss fight itself starts no more waves of minions that mm. i can get on board with God, that Joker fight was fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what other questions? Also, Boss Rush from Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Rebirth. There's just the big Boss Rush is incredible. But anyway, sorry. And, be, the and bed, bed of Chaos. That boss can Ooh. go fuck itself. Well, well you mentioned <laughs> Binding of Isaac. Um, Rebirth releases on October 30th. So After birth. After birth. I, I wrote the wrong one, didn't I? <laughs> you got the wrong birth. Yeah. Um, the, the, tra- the launch the, trailer. The new bit of birth. The, trailers is the DLC one. Yeah, so, I'm look- I hope it comes because I've been playing it on console, not PC. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I'd I've, like to see it come to 3DS as well because I've become hooked on the 3DS version because because uh, it just works so well on portable. I really wanted to play the 3DS version, and it's still not out in the UK, which is why I've been playing yeah. it on PS4. Yeah, you should. Yeah, it just didn't get like it didn't get certified, and as such, they can't put it out in Europe oh. yet. That is messed up. Yeah, I know. And that's why I've been playing it on PS4. Because I saw, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, people have been playing it on 3DS. I've got an itching for that. Nope. Oh, well. Other uh, questions this week. Eric Olsen yes. wants to ask, if we had a support helicopter that would call in at will and blare a song from the 80s at any time you wanted, what song would you pick and for what circumstance? Sledgehammer mm. for every circumstance. <laughs> Oh god, that's hard to top. It's hard to not do. I'm, I'm gonna have to think of something that isn't Sledgehammer. Um, I'm pulling up my my '80s songs playlist now to be like, oh, what songs from the '80s do I want now that are better than that? Mm. Planet Earth, do ran, do ran. They did do that one, didn't they? <sighs> Oh, the eighties, the eighties is chock a block with fucking amazing songs. Crazy. I I could totally go with clips a ch- of the heart. I could uh, go with a chopper. Living on a prayer. Yeah. I could go with a chopper fl- flying in and playing "Living on a Prayer." Actually, yeah. <sighs> I mean, who doesn't want to get up and you know get up and go when that song comes on? Or yeah, can- even better, uh, you give love a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing! Just imagine can- a shot through the heart. <laughs> can Can I just have like? Um, living on a prayer come on just like every time I need to get up in the morning the helicopter swoops by the window or the wind is rushing through my windows <laughs> and it's just we're living on a prayer I'm like okay I'm getting up fuck or pur- Purple Rain by Prince that would be a pretty epic soundtrack to your mm. goings on uh, I mean asking us to pick a, a best, song. Song, best songs from the 80s is like you know it's hard because the pressure. 80s was fucking amazing for music. I could under go with Under Pressure, pressure yes. yeah. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. And the vo- you're the voice as well. In the air tonight. Whoa! <laughs> Get a bit of madness in there, our yeah. house. Yeah. Something like that, just something nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 have a, we'll have a helicopter that will blare all of those songs at once. 
and yeah. that is for every occasion. <laughs> <laughs> People will run in terror at our, our 80s compilation. And welcome to the jungle. Welcome, welcome to the jungle. Oh, you're going to get me singing now. The 80s they Legion Copter is Did we coming. talk about this last week? They made friends. Slash an oh, Axel. Are they doing okay I think we now? did talk about this, did we? I don't I'm know. I don't remember. I don't recall. I talked about it some, but... I'm glad okay. to hear they're doing okay now. Yay. I kind of hope they don't make a new record together, though. Oh, no, don't. But we yeah. just want them to, like, you know, be in photos they will, where they give each other a yeah. cuddle every now and then. I mean, Axel's already, like, you know, kind of pissed on the memory of Guns N' Roses enough. I don't yeah. know. Let's, let's hope not, but... Um, mm. We have a question from Andrew Peter Francis Hayes, who wants to ask, uh, what supervillain from comic books and the such do you think would be the best getting their own standalone video game? And I don't know why we're bothering to ask this question, because Jim, I'm guessing we know what video, I think uh, what, we know what, what villain we're going to make a video game out of. He'd actually really not make a very good video game. You don't, you don't think though. Mysterio would make a good protagonist? I don't in think a video Mysterio game. would. Like I could see maybe, maybe if he was part of the Sinister Six and they all had different skills. But his skill set is such that I don't think there'd be too much satisfaction in just doing that. If anything, I mean, I'd, I'd say. I'd say this, but he's already been in a game. He's been on a, a, a DS game that wasn't too bad. But something like Venom would be more of a, a suited to video game protagonist, especially because he's already got a kind of anti-villain status. Yeah. Um, he was in a pretty damn good uh, Spider-Man Venom video game where you could play some levels as him and use the uh, touchscreen to swipe tendrils out and grab things. And it, it, was, it was okay. Knowing, knowing modern video call. games, I would imagine Deadshot would be the only one who would actually get their own video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love a yeah, a Secret Six video game. It would be amazing. You know what's fucking... I, I reckon Ragdoll would make an amazing I, uh, protagonist. I would like a Magneto video game. Because Magneto has a really nice set of powers that would be very interesting mechanically to use. And I'm, there are... Um, there's precedent for... like There are games with telekinesis yeah, or things like the Gravity Gun. I, like, I you am could picturing... Make yeah, work. I'm picturing a Magneto video game that basically plays a lot like the Force, Un- uh, the Force Unleashed did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that could be a you thing. Know, you yeah, know what's screaming out for a video game, I think? Did you guys ever read 2000 AD when you were... Um, no. When you were kids? Well, I, a fan a lot- very kindly sent me a whole like Judge Dredd compilation that I, I need to get through reading. And by the way, yes, Judge Dredd is another one that needs a good video game. But I was going to mention Slanya, which is this amazing like story about this Celtic warrior guy who can transform into this gigantic, monstrous beast with like bits dripping off it and he just goes mental on the battlefield and kills hundreds of people and i'm like that is screaming Uh, out for a video game because it's got the mechanics right there and it's got like so much cool lore there's one 2000 ad comic i read called the thrill suckers oh yeah i remember these weird little fucking flying things that that i'd play that they were creepy i'd play that these weird little black furry things with no arms that mm. I think they had propellers on their heads or something. Weren't they part of Tharg's timeline? The, the that editor I couldn't guy? tell you. I, yeah. I read it as an isolated thing when I was a kid. Yeah. Just these things that sucked the thrill out of things. I think that's what they did. Why is there no the Judge Dredd video game? That would be fucking Probably amazing if it was done right. Probably because the rights are tied right. up in some bullshit, I guess. Mm. 
That's usually the answer, yeah. Some lawyer somewhere. He's like, no, you can't have your thing you like. Cause That's another lawyer. thing that just... It could be so good if it, if it was done right. Yeah. Um, and then before we finish off, we've got a couple of quick ones. Uh, Luke Schweibert wants to ask, what non-gaming-related artist, e.g. an author, film director, musician, would you most like to see heavily involved in creating a video game? Hmm. And I'm basically trying to think of, like, what creator is the most, like... Axel Rose. ...fucked up in the head... <laughs> Oh, Axel Rose. <laughs> I I would like to see Quentin Tarantino involved in a video game. I would like to that see I'd like to mm. see the Tarantino of video games. As weird as he's gone now, James Franco. I could see that. As 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 like he's started teaching high school classes now apparently. Like he's just he's going through his Joaquin Phoenix phase, I think, of mm. just just being weird. I want Shia LaBeouf um, to make a video game. Yes. I was I was gonna say him. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf would uh, do something interesting. Shia LaBeouf a vi- simulator. He could, he could make a game about himself being an actual cannibal. It would be great. Mm. Um, I'd kind of like to see who was who did I I I literally just watched this for the first time last night. Cabin in the Woods. Who was behind Cabin in the Woods? It was uh, it was Joss, Joss Whedon. Whedon. Was that Joss it? Whedon? I want Joss Whedon to make a Cabin in the Woods-esque, like, a video game that is a satire of a genre. People have tried to do that, and um, what was that one? uh, Spec Ops The Line? um, There was a much more kind of... I think you think Matt Hazard? That's the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, trouble with a lot of games, because there's been a few games that I see on Steam Greenlight all the time as well, games that try and satirise, and they they do fall into the trap of just being the thing that they're satirising. There's a good one coming soon, though. The the new Bard's Tale, that's going to be cool. Mm. And that that Mm. will... I'm being really biased here, but it's (laughs) probably going to do a very good job of satirising the RPG genre. Yeah. Um, Spec Ops The Line, I think satirized its own sort of its own points fairly well up until the point where the big ending point it has is war is bad and should not be fun here's a multiplayer mode where you have fun shooting stuff <laughs> like if that had been a single player only game i'd have said it was a pretty good job of to their credit of i that. think the developers regretted it i think they later denounced them they the did they said it was wasted resources yeah. there, there is a lot of stuff that's very interesting about the development of that game um if you listen to a lot of the interviews running up to it basically the publishers had very specific requirements of what they wanted from the development team and the development of spec ops's very interesting elements was all done under the noses of the publishers being like (laughs) how much can we get away with while still sticking to their their criteria they have required from us and the multiplayer is one of those big sticking points where they did not want to do it the publisher required it of them but they, you know, were like, okay, let's not let us stop that stop us from doing our interesting single player narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, Far Cry Blood Dragon was a great satire of a lot I of things. I disagree to a point because, as great as it was as a satire, it is it is really guilty of doing that thing that Jim just said of doing the thing that it claims to be trying to satirise, but actually being really annoying because it does it. Great example being right at the beginning. Ha ha ha. Isn't it funny how um, how tutorial prompts go on and on and on? 
with the tutorial that went on and on and on. And yes, it does start being like, ha ha ha, isn't it funny that tutorials go on forever? But I'm still having to sit through a tutorial that goes on forever. Uh, and I don't that know. is I like I, I personally hmm. felt that added to it. <laughs> I I Did you guys? That, I, I like Blood Dragon, but I think that there are certain times where it is guilty of doing the thing that it's trying to satirize and that thing still being irritating in spite of their attempt to satirize it. Did you guys do the escort mission with the goat in Witcher 3? Yes. I thought that was a I... funny little satire. Especially if, 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 there's a, if you don't kill the bear, Geralt, Geralt literally yells at the goat move you stupid piece of shit which basically echoes every single <laughs> oh my god speaking of escort missions fucking metal gear solid 5 jesus christ i was enjoying that i was like this is the best game ever and then that fucking escort mission came along and the M- i don't know if you guys had a good experience with that but the npcs would not move for me they would just they would sit there oh. no matter how much i yelled at them that was actually one of my favorite missions really because i guess it i guess it moved smoothly for me but just oh. thematically <laughs> they wouldn't it, was, it, it didn't move. irritate me it's one of the few it didn't irritate me too much i far preferred though the escort missions where i could knock people out and just carry them out yeah that's <laughs> it's and, like and oh i'm supposed to be es- ex- escorting you on my back you go I guess I just got really lucky with it, but especially because, as I've said in my review, the narrative I felt in MGS5 was so weak. Uh, that was a, a really narratively strong moment for mm-hmm. me. That I, I guess I was determined to make that mission work well, so I was very careful about it and moved ahead of the kids and cleared stuff out and ran back and kept you know, making sure they were obeying commands. And, and yeah, I got through it without any real issue. Maybe um, I got I unlucky because they just would not fucking go when I told them to go. And then sometimes the command wouldn't even come up for me to let make them go it was like the only command i had was wait and it's like but they are waiting i don't know it, it was yeah. i feel good ai is absolutely crucial for escort missions i mean i, I feel like escort missions should just fuck off yeah or just um, invincible partners there you go although i mean resident evil 4 is basically is almost all escort mission and they did really well with it mm. um you know giving you places where you could hide um your escort mm. and keep them out of trouble there are some annoying bits in that with ashley as well though like (laughs) my my favorite thing with escorts is still um the last of us where just the people you were escorting just became invisible yeah and like (laughs) walking out in front of enemies it led to some stupid moments but that irritated me less than having stupid fucking escorts that i had to rather I'd rather have the quote-unquote immersion broken than yeah. have to deal with some of that bullshit. Yeah, I'd exactly. rather Elizabeth throws health potions at me than gets herself shot and makes mm. me restart. Worst mm. AI ever, by the way, Dom in Gears of War. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> on Insane uh, yeah, I was replaying the Ultimate Edition. I hate Dom so much. Yeah. On, on Insane, on, in Gears of War 1, you just doing it solo is pointless because he just runs out and gets himself shot. And you spend... 50% of the game reviving Dom and getting shot while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I don't play games to p- play babysitter. Like, if you can do an escort mission, the, the very worst one is um, Spartan Total Warrior. There is an escort mission in that, and anyone who's ever played that game right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I don't even need to describe mm. it, but, I, but 
yeah, you're you're running through with this fucking guy, and I had to play that mission so many times, hearing the whiniest old man voice coming out of this guy. I was there, Spartan, you must get me home! Over and over, Spartan! Spartan! <laughs> I'm like, fuck off! Uh, uh, I stopped playing at that in, mission. It is one of the worst escort missions in history. In, in terms of trying to satirise um, escort missions, I still want, and I was hoping that Metal Gear Solid V would be the game to do this, the escort mission where you literally have to herd cats. Like, that's what I want. I want the one where it satirises <laughs> it by making you herd cats. Actually, someone once described a game, I think it was a Eurogamer review, and they described something as... Uh, trying to control the game was like herding cats through a burning building, and I've always wanted um, to make that I game. I know, right? Where you control, <laughs> you directly control a herd of cats, like a swarm of them, and you're going through these various platforming levels in a bur- burning it's, building it's like trying a, to get it's to It's like the a fast paced lemmings where you're trying to like shuffle them through and not kill them all. Yeah. I'm imagining like something like Kesson, where, where you're like directly controlling an entire squad of people, yes. but it's like. You're you're directly controlling just multiple cats, and you're trying not to lose them along the way. Like, I, someone make that, but credit me as director. Yeah, I want to be executive producer. Yeah, Thank you. So that's that's what we want to do. So, should we wrap up there, or do we we got one more question? Maybe if we want to squeeze it in. Oh well, now you've given them hope. Let's get let's get the go question on. Out. Last last one that we put in the shortlist for today. John Joe Carter wants to ask, what's the best way to make a long, boring journey on your own seem less long and boring i'm gonna suggest have a wank in the bathroom uh honestly there's there's little i can add to that um i mean at the very least like put a bit of uh put a bit of porn on your phone um you know keep your hood up or something make sure no one else is uh looking at it but that'll keep you sorted out for e- a bit. either that or i could give you a serious suggestion of here is a thing that you should do get a pokemon game get a notebook play through it, and make jour- fake journal entries and practice writing fiction while you play. So go through and write write fictionalised journal entries about your experience with this video game as if you are the person mm. in it. There you go. That's a thing that you can do that you've maybe not done before. You'll be creative also, and I'm, you'll take some time up. I'm never bored if I have an iPod. It just yeah, It's impossible I mean, for me to be bored if I have music to I, listen to. I at all times have like three weeks of podcasts to catch up on. Yeah, podcasts are like, they're how I travel. Yeah. And, and I already gave recommendations. Did I say you know, podcast? I, I, I meant to say iPod. Sorry. No, no, you did say no, you, iPod. You said we, iPod. We, oh, we were okay. like, yeah, we use our iPods for podcasts. That's what we use our, our things yeah. for. Um, but for recommendations there, you know, welcome to Night Vale, I've already said. Um, my brother, my brother and me um, is, is hilarious. Um, Ray Peacock, who I'm a big fan of and who's... Um, podcast work in my early podcasting career um shamelessly copied um his uh he's got a new podcast called the parapod uh, which is a, a paranormal themed comedy podcast in which he is a rather skeptical individual and there's another comedian i think it's called barry dodd i, I can't remember his exact name um but he's a very strong believer in the supernatural like actually goes ghost hunting and stuff so it's him trying to explain paranormal phenomena to ray peacock who is not having any of it um, and they've only got one podcast, one episode up so far, but the Parapod is uh, its shaping up to be a really good show, so I would recommend it. Yeah, uh, my recommendations would be Good Job Brain, which is a really fun sort of like 
pop culture trivia pub quiz podcast um very well put together there's the comedy button we had some of those guys on here they're good oh, of course, comedy yeah. button's good welcome to night Vale, obviously glad that jim finally listened to that that's fantastic um, oh, yeah, i'm all caught up man. uh long form movie reviews podcast digital drift is really good um they do sort of very like lengthy spoiler filled breakdowns of films and tv shows and they do a very good job of doing that uh lou reads the internet is a guy called lou he will go on internet forums and just read passages of forums and they are fascinating um that's very different from what i i read i've heard that as lou reads the internet where someone was pretending to be, to be lou, lou reed, reed. that's yeah. what i heard as well this is, yeah. this is lou and he reads the internet uh gotcha what were his last two um his last couple of weeks he has talked about um people's experiences with drugs where it's like i took drugs here is what happened and it's 45 minutes of him reading people's experiences with drugs this week it is dads that have trolled their children and a forum for dads trolling their kids um, <laughs> yeah, there is, so just like he finds forums on the internet and just reads them out for a while that's always good uh yeah mm-hmm. there you go there's some recommendations of podcasts there you go so that we at least we've given you something to listen to that isn't this drag so that you, you're not bored well, you can listen, i mean you could listen to you, this you could listen to all of my myriad of other podcasts i don't pimp often enough you should listen laura does a million you should listen to the indie haven podcast the geek night in category video games oh no video games the destructoid uk podcast um year of steam uh what else is there Podtoid. Laura's gaming butts. Fuck, I'm I'm out of practice at doing the whole spiel of podcasts. <laughs> but you do, if if I recall correctly, there is a subscription on iTunes to get access to. If all you of these search podcasts. Laura K Buzz, they should all come up. So there you go. Because aggregation, yeah. And speaking of those other podcasts, it's like you are currently over an hour and a half into this podcast, so you should enjoy pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your you, you, bar for taste is pretty low. That was friend. our fourth wall-breaking psychomantis moment there. Oh, absolutely. Oh. In, 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 in order to complete this podcast episode, you have to unplug your headphones and then plug them into your anus. Sit on your speaker, and I'm going to make you have sexual pleasure now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me reach your iPod. What are we doing? Oh, you're like Gerard Way. I'm inside your ears right now. Let me <laughs> Laura's in. doing ASMR. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> Those ASMR videos on YouTube are very strange. I find them I can't watch weirdly them I unnerving. Want to do anything else. They they are their own experience. They are mm. what they are. Anyway, we should wrap up because we've been going on for yes. like an hour and forty five bloody minutes. Yeah, I, 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 I've needed toilet ages ago. Um, <laughs> you don't anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just no, go no, in your no. Morton Joan Rivers mask. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Are we just going to go? I don't know. Are um, we, we going to self-promote? Laura, we didn't self-promote quickly tell week. people stuff. Stuff. Um, Laura, Laura K. Buzz, find me on stuff. Patreon, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Laura K. Buzz. Fuck. <laughs> Gavin. Uh, you can find my music and my objectively bad opinions. 
and word definitions on Twitter at Miracle of Sound and YouTube Miracle of Sound. And that's it. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. Um, blimey, this has been a long one. Do not get used to these. I do not want these to start going two plus hours. Yeah. Um, I've got thank Metal you for Gear Solid 5 to play, guys. Yeah, we got lives. Uh, I, I've got to go toilet. I've got videos to watch and food to shove down my gullet. Exactly. We got things to I do, go people. Watch so we're gonna go. I got to go watch what's going to happen with Rex Weevil when the when the bug <laughs> duelist fights with the, the dinosaurs. And all of those are some words. Yeah. So thank you as always for listening. Thank you as always for your continued support. We will be back next week, come rain or other weathers. Bye. 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 There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, blimey.